Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, it's another Fox Rugby Podcast. Week one of the Rugby Championship for 2019 is done and dusted. And a very warm welcome to Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au. Christy, welcome to yeah, you. Cheers, Nick. And uh, back by popular demand... Andrew Swain. I had people contacting me from all over the world saying, come back and do the podcast again. So yep. there you go. F- family members, of course. Well, well I was just not say, all. <laughs> we, we, had, we had two emails during right. the week, and I'd just like to thank Mr. and Mrs. Swain for their correspondence. <laughs> so uh, good to have you back, Swain. I don't even know what a podcast is, <laughs> I just say. Yeah, anyway, keep going. Lovely people, but no idea what podcasts are. And, uh, and also joining us this week, uh, a, a semi-regular, I guess we could say, Nick Phipps, welcome to you. Thank you. Um, uh, I was going to say injured, but not injured for a change. It's, yeah. it's really good to have you in here when you're not carrying an injury. Yeah, it's, it's much nicer being dropped than injured, isn't it? <laughs> 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 I, no, it's good, fit and healthy. So yeah, I, okay, I, I wasn't going to go there, but it, <laughs> do, we, do, we, do we classify it as being dropped or are, you, or are you just, you know, like the other guys just being given an opportunity, uh, uh, opportunity and you're just waiting for uh, check to say, okay, well, we're going to... Restore the situation. <laughs> I'd, I'd, yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess, yeah, left out of the, the first squad that they've picked. So I guess uh, it's a fair bit of – they've set up like a training group back here in Sydney. So there's about eight or nine of us back here training every morning in Sydney. So And, and getting absolutely flogged from what we hear. Yeah, we are. It's, it's a big day. So we're getting flogged in the morning double session, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And then um, we're all going to our club trainings at night because Czech wants to keep playing footy. So – we're at an intense little three-week stint in the moment, but in saying that, it's been it's been great fun. Like been working hard, then getting to get back to the grassroots and play club footy, which is unreal, and we're all really enjoying ourselves. And at the very least, it's a small sacrifice to make to hopefully get a, another foot in the door and and take our opportunities when when we get it. Mm. Nick, sure, those opportunities will come. But uh, what was your initial reaction though when you when you were I suppose dropped? Oh, you know it's. It's disappointing, obviously. There's a, I wasn't the only one either, so there was a few boys that are disappointed. But in saying that, yuck, it is what it is. You know, there's, um, you know, so the best thing about this season, super season, you know, obviously all of the Aussie teams didn't go that well, but the competition for spots is is rife. You know, everyone's yeah. been working hard, and I can look at the players in my position um, just to narrow it down. And you know, every player's had a good season wherever they've been, whether in Australia or overseas. So. You know, some of those hard decisions are going to need to be made and, uh, you know, checking the selection panel out to make them. And it, for me, it's just now about being stubborn and knowing that it's not over. I, you know, keep working hard and, you know, like I said, hopefully get my foot in the door later on and be ready to take an opportunity if I get it. When you're in that standby space, I guess, how, how do you um, deal with it mentally and do you, do you feel hungrier when you go to training in that in that time as well? Oh, I, you're definitely hungry. Um, it's a, sort of for me and um, some of the other boys, it's about channelling that. Um, you know, especially some of our other, you know, talking just Waratahs boys because there's about six of us back training here in Sydney. You know, it's about telling them to just channel their, you know, channel their efforts now. So we can focus really tough on shoot shield for the next three-week block and then after that we can we can make another sort of set of goals together and, and work hard, which, you know, it is, you know, disappointing, but it's about 
making sure that you are ready. Um, you know, the boys over there playing tests, so they won't be able to train as hard as we are. So, you know, we're getting ready every single week and, and ready to go. And, um, you know, it's frustrating not to be able to be a part of it, but we're also very lucky to be able to work hard and, and know that we're just, we're almost there, you know, so opportunities will come. I've heard you speak before about how much you love playing for Sydney Uni, though, in the Shoot Shield. Uh, is it enjoyable to go back and immerse yourself in that atmosphere, even though it's a pretty crappy situation that's happening? Yeah, silver lining, definitely. Like, um, sort of, I hadn't played a shoot a uni game for a long time before sort of last year and then got to meet a lot of really great people. Um, you know, you leave a club for so long, but you you come back and it's, it's a real pleasure to see that the club footy is not only going from strength to strength, but also the club that you're a part of, the culture, they're still super strong. Um, and I'm really lucky now, like... I, it's funny, I couldn't be in a different stage of my life anymore to the rest of my teammates. They're all 20 chasing birds <laughs> you know, at uni through the day and I'm just I'm coming in at the end of a long day. Kids been crying for half the afternoon and, <laughs> and just getting to knuckle down. But it's also really good fun because there's so many future stars in that Sydney Uni team. Uh, I've played against East and Southern Districts as well and, you know, you see a lot of future stars there. Got to meet Joe Cotton on the weekend uh, when he was running over the top of me and, <laughs> you know, you, you get to see these players and be a part of their progression to, you know, hopefully be dominant for dominant super rugby players and then on to Wallabies after that. The other silver lining, of course, is that you've been able to spend a bit more time with your, your in-laws. <laughs> That's it, yes. Recently uh, moved back to the Shire, back to God's country, so... Uh, That's what they call it down there? They do, still? yeah. yeah okay. I've still got a pencil in getting my Southern Cross tattoo. Um, <laughs> down south. Hello to our friends down in the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big ups to Southern Districts down there. But it's been good fun uh, moving in with the in-laws. It's been quite funny. Um, Has I'm, it really, though? It's been, <laughs> it's been unreal. It's been great. Um, the dad's the biggest chiller ever. He just... Um, oh, you got babysitters on tap. Yeah, babysitters <laughs> on that's, tap. That's the best thing about being a new dad and having and, the in-laws around. And the uh, mother-in-law's an absolute... Absolute legend, so she's you know fucking the, <laughs> the usual in-law relationships. And, and clearly, well. they both listen to this podcast. <laughs> Big fans, also. They might have emailed like Swainy's parents. <laughs> All right. Well, no doubt you uh, stayed up late the other night and and watched uh, the Wallabies. It was a, a disappointing start to the rugby championship. Let's bring in at this stage a man who called that game, Fox Sports commentator and Wallabies legend Tim Horan. Tim, thanks very much for joining us. As I understand it, you are uh, on the motorway between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, so I'm guessing it's about time in the afternoon for a yatla pie, isn't it? Well, it could be, Nick. Yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for having us on the show. Um, oh, gee, I'll tell you what, a long time ago, since I've had a yatla pie, I think I was um, driving home my speedos and had a yatla pie and I was, I was burnt between my legs, so I'm scarred forever from a yatla pie, so that'll do me. That's a sight to behold, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope you mean figuratively scarred and not literally <laughs> scarred, but that's... They are good, the old yatla pie. <laughs> they are, they oh. are very nice. Hey, Timmy, you um, would have had some sleep by now. It was, it was hard to uh, stay awake yesterday after a, a long night, but it, it must have been a long game to call as well. What did you make of the uh, the Wallaby performance first up in the rugby championship? Yeah, I think there was some, you know, first of all, you look at the good points and, you know, there was some really good positional plays and, you know, obviously Nick White at number nine was very good. I thought that, you know, he showed a lot of energy and it looks like the side loves playing with him. Um, Samu Karevi again was very good, you know, ran for nearly 100 run metres again. And um, I, I just think we, 
there's some good points, but also I think there was a couple of points where we turned over the ball three or four crucial times. Well, obviously, two tries went begging. Uh, I don't think the Springboks at all missed any opportunities. I think they only really dropped one ball uh, in midfield. But apart from that, I thought the Wallabies were, were solid. Um, it's just a pass mark. I think where they struggled, boys, was probably just in understanding this rush-up defence that the Springboks um, have. And we virtually struggled to get the ball, and even in... Uh, when you look at um, set-piece plays, line-outs and scrums, struggle to get the ball to our wingers to try and spread the game out. Obviously, there were there were some good points. Uh, firstly, the debutants that played on the weekend, let's go with that. Uh, Harry Johnson-Holmes came off the bench, but Izzy Nizarani was also uh, lively, made some... Um, Made some definitely uh, some really hard metres through contact and stuff. We haven't seen a number eight do that for a while for the Wallabies. Yeah, I thought his ball carrying was pretty good. Um, and it was pretty tough, you know, to, to carry the ball and get across the advantage. Like, he's just seems somehow... He's not the biggest number eight we've ever had. Um, we look at Whitesburg Parlo and Todd Kepa and those sort of guys. I'll tell you what, every time he gets the ball, he's just got really good little footwork and, you know, picks a weak shoulder and, and always gets, you know, three or you know, four or five metres past the advantage. Like we always talk about, you know, metres after contact. Um, and he seems to have produced that again. And um, it gave Nick White some good quick ball whenever he got it. So, yeah, I thought big tick, Dizzy Nicerani, when you look at um, when you look at Harry Johnson-Holmes, uh, did reasonably well when he came on um, off the bench. Obviously, a couple of injuries for him to come off the bench. Um, and I think you know, probably the only area where he struggled was the first scrum we came on. He got penalised. But apart from that... I thought our scrum set piece was pretty good. Timmy, I was uh, noticing, <clears throat> obviously we've got Nick Phipps on the pod uh, as well, so I'm sure he would have been thrilled to hear that uh, you thought that Nick White had a good game. <laughs> but um, I was, I was uh, yesterday Dan Herbert tweeted back to something that I had posted and, and he said, look, when teams are under siege, they batten down the hatches and convince each other that they're almost there and seek affirmation from those in the same boat or well wishes. It's the same storyline. Standards have to lift a lot and it needs a jolt. Adding Laurie Fisher could help. <clears throat> Look, what's your opinion on that? Because you, you did say that, uh, you know, there are some positives to come out of it and some, some things that have been repeated um, over, over the years. So, um, yeah, do you, do you think that, that it is the same story and, and, and something has to change? Um, it's hard to tell, obviously. We're not in the inner sanctum of the team, but you really hope it stings. I, you know, I'm sure it would. A loss like that you know, should sting because uh, I think the Wallabies had some really good opportunity. I thought I really was impressed with the way they fought back. Um, you know, the, the Springboks came out um, you know, with a big crowd, good atmosphere at Alice Park, very hard to beat. Uh, but, but I thought the Wallabies really fought, fought back strong and, and got, got themselves in a position. Uh, and even though Michael Hoover... You know, opted for the scrum in, in the po- in front of the post with the three points just before half time. I'm always happy for Michael Hooper. He's got the flow of the game and understands you know, which way to go. And a scrum centre field is quite hard to defend from. So I'm comfortable that decision didn't come off. But you know, I was pretty comfortable that going in 14-10, the Wallabies were still in the fight. So um, yeah, I mean things do have to change. It looks like they're trying to change their attacking platform, but. It just looked like a few of the ball carriers were a bit hesitant, which is a bit of a worry, um, you know, against the Springboks. It's also uh, a reasonable question for Nick, and I'm interested to know, you sitting there watching it, could you see signs? I mean, you obviously know what they've been working on. Can you see signs of development, or did it feel like more of the same for you? No, we obviously know that they're they're trying something different through the middle through the middle of the game. They're, um, you know, I can see exactly what they're trying to do, and... and 
for the majority there, they're, you could, I think I heard it on the commentary as well, they're a lot less predictable. You know, they're playing a different sort of style where, you know, people are popping up. Like, he's in Nazarani. He's, he's got the ability to, to do something ad-lib and, and the ability to, to spark something there. Um, you know, Whitey is working well with the forwards around the breakdown there. They're running some great lines off him as well. Um, be interested to see what you think, Timmy. You know, Bernard there, probably the only playmaker really in the in the back line. Do, with the rush D there, do, do you think he maybe needs someone else with him there? Well, I think you could see what, what they were doing. They were obviously rushing up outside of him and forcing him back in field and you know, looking for that ball back in behind those four decoy runners early on. And, uh, I mean, Samu Karevi has got better as a ball player, but I think, and maybe we see this weekend, maybe we see yeah, the inclusion of, if it's not Curly Bill at 12 or maybe a James O'Connor at 12, I mean, they've rushed James O'Connor back pretty quickly to do something with him. So maybe he's that other ball player at, at 12 and then you push Samu Karebi out to 13 or, you know, do you give Tavita Kurandrani a bit more opportunity because he didn't get a lot of ball on the weekend and you probably want to see a bit more of him um, at 13. Um, but I think I think you're right. I think we knew somehow you need an extra ball player, um, especially with the rush-up defence that you're going to get between now and the World Cup. Or at least you want some of those boys getting the confidence to slip in there and start playing. I've seen Samu ball players. You know, Banksy's obviously a phenomenal ball player out the back there as well. You just want them to have the confidence to be able to get in there and, and start directing traffic a bit. And it's easy to um, forget that it was the first test match of the year. Yeah. I know we don't have long until Rugby World Cup, so there's not a lot of time to be um, you know, making adjustments and all that sort of stuff. But first test, there's always going to be some rust. Timmy, do you think? Yeah, the Springboks was their first test match as well, so it wasn't a lot of rust in their game. Um, do you think, though, think Timmy? Do, do you think, though, Timmy, that with the Springboks uh, team, it was their first test match, and they did have a very different looking team to to what they normally do? But this is a team that's been developing together over the last couple of years as well. Yeah, it has. I mean, they've got a pretty wide and broad squad now. You look at the, you know, the five or six really key players that went to New Zealand early. Uh, and they still produced a pretty good test performance. Not not their best one, but I tell you what, it was pretty solid. And mm. I just think we've got, to, we've got to be careful. I mean, we we want to make sure the Wallabies uh, and everyone gets behind the Wallabies leading up to the World Cup in these 100%. test matches. And, and I think that you know Michael Checker, um, you're right, has got a different game plan he's trying to employ. But uh, I just think it's all about. And Nick would agree with this as well that Bernard Foley's pretty good at adjusting his depth. And I, when the rush-up defence came, he adjusted, got a bit deeper in that second half where we had a bit more ball. And, um, yeah, it's just, you, you, I just think we need a second playmaker. To, whether it's a, If Curly Beal is at 15, he can naturally become your second playmaker because he'll, in attack, he'll move up to that first or second receiver. So. The, other, the other thing, Timmy, um, and we were talking with Drew Mitchell throughout the game, and he was saying that you know, clearly uh, they were looking to to have Samu as the big runner in the midfield and he was going to get the ball more often than not. But that's fine, but let's have some runners go with him so that it's more unpredictable for the defence. He just he just felt that it was very one-dimensional. Would you agree with that? Yeah, a little bit, I think. And I also think in test rugby these days, and uh, you have to get offloads away. You have to be, I think, at the end of you know 40 minutes, you have to have six to eight offloads in a match. And that's... Most of those offloads should be in the back line. If you do that, that means you're getting offloads away to forward runners or the back line players running off a player who's making a half break. Uh, and ten, well, we tend to potentially go to grounds and look, and look for to go to ground as quick as we can, whereas a lot of other teams now are looking, especially the All Black, they've been leading that for a long time, 
how do you get an offload away? And some of the has been pretty good at it uh, for his Super Rugby. How do you try and get offloads away to get him behind that attacking line? But it looked like, and this is one for Nick as well, it looked like they were a team that had been encouraged to, to get offloads away, but just they weren't quite on song in terms of taking the right opportunity. There was one there at one stage in the second half, I think it was Dane Hallett Petty out the back of the hand, and, and Bernard Foley was the only player in the same postcode, and there were, there were two Springboks between uh, Dane and, and, and Bernie. It just, it just seems they weren't taking the, the right opportunity at the right time. Is that fair? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, in world rugby now, focus on offloads, and, and Czech's just massive on players expressing themselves. If they think that the opportunity's on and they practice that in training especially, then he gives them the licence to be able to do that. Um, I think, you know, Samu did a an amazing offload in the first half, but then Falau tried to also do that as well. And doing back-to-back offloads in traffic like that can sometimes not be the right option. I think Czech would just want them to make the right options and have clear line of sight, the ability to be able to to finish technically as well on the on the offload pass, and, and then they can go and play from there. But, yeah, you, you certainly know, like you said before, about the Kiwis and, and, and the Argies. You know, their ability mm. to just keep the ball alive and off the ground is really damaging and, and limits the ability to set a defensive line and, and build your structures in there. So, Timmy, on the back of your comments, what, what would your back line be this weekend, um, particularly given that it seems like Will Genia is going to come in at, at nine? Yeah, if that's going to be, uh, if that's going to come in, if Will's going to come in, um, that's fine. Um, you know, I'd still stay with Bernard Foley. I think you know Bernard gives you a lot of structure, and uh, you know there, there might be calls for, to maybe to, to change up and put someone else at number ten because you do need a, a number ten backup for the World Cup as well. So who is that number ten? I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's probably three or four options who are on the same level. But and then you look at you know Tom Banks. Uh, Banksy, I'd love to see Tom Banks get another opportunity. Um, I don't. I don't know whether he will. I'd say that Curly Bill will come into 15, but uh, I'd just like to see Tom Banks. I know what he can play. We've seen it through Super Rugby. Uh, and then in the tennis, yeah, I'd, I'd throw James O'Connor at number 12 jersey, give him an opportunity and, and show where he's at because, you know, he's pretty fit. He's, he's you know, got an opportunity. And then on the wings, you'd, you know, Marika Corabetti, you'd think you'd probably potentially bring him on the wing to give him an opportunity as well. So uh, there's, there's a lot more depth that we've got now, but at some stage... You know, we're going to have to look at who's our best 15 when you take on the New Zealand team in, in Perth in a few weeks' time. This is where we're, Timmy, this is where we're at this really um, difficult stage and, and we've been talking about this off and on throughout the year and that is that here we are now with four test matches to go before the World Cup and we're still having the conversation about what our best side looks like. It feels like, you know, this is getting left very late now the, the, and it, no matter if all of those changes happen that you've just talked about, it still has the feeling of being an experiment about but, it. But doesn't it also change if they're wanting to play with Karevi at 12 as well and have that more direct way about how they're playing? That's right. So after you're saying after one test match, essentially they might put up their hand and go, well, that didn't work. So, so if that's the way they want to play, Tim, do they... Is there also a need to maybe stick with what they've started, have strength in that conviction of how they want to play the game? And, uh, yeah, def- definitely. I, you know, I think, um, you know, for a World Cup, uh, not, not if it wasn't a World Cup, yeah, I'd be chopping and changing the centres, but for a World Cup, I'm comfortable with Samu, Karevi and Davidikur and Drani um, making sure they're the 12-13 combination because in most times at successful, you know, World Cups, you'd have, um, you know, a really big back row and two centres that are pretty damaging ball runners. You don't necessarily have to have a, a second playmaker subject to who your number 15 is. If it's currently Beal, 
as I said before, he can move up to second first receiver. If it's not Curtly Beal, then you may need a second playmaker. But I'm okay with Samu Groovy and Tavita Kurandre staying in the centres for these five test matches because once you hit Fiji, that first pool game, it's a massive match and you have to have the combinations ready to go. Exactly right. It's not far away, is it? Uh, starts September 20, the World Cup on Fox Sports, and uh, the next day is a hell of a day. You've got um, France and Argentina, Australia and Fiji, and uh, New Zealand and South Africa all on the same day. So that is, uh, that is one special day of World Cup rugby. Timmy, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, boys. I've just seen the Yatla Pie shop, so I'm about to pull in and get a little takeaway. <laughs> you be careful. Get peas on top, Timmy. Peas on top. Peas on top. Yeah, perfect. See you, boys. Well done. <laughs> Uh, Tim Horan there with probably just a little bit too much information, more about the Yatla Pies than we really needed to know. But I uh, hope he's safe and well having stopped for a Yatla Pie. They are very good. They are very, oh, very good. Look, I'm, I'm hoping for a bit of sponsorship here. That's, that's all I can say. <laughs> well, we've <laughs> yeah. said it. Can we cut this up and send it to them? Yeah, sure. Just so, they hear. Um, so, Nick, just before we move on from the, uh, from the Wallabies, interested to get your thoughts on... Nick White's return, obviously, you know, played very well. But what did you feel were the improvements, you know, Nick White now compared to Nick White four years ago when he didn't make the World Cup in 2015? Um, I think he's just gained a hell of a lot of experience over in Exeter. Um, they're extremely good team. They've been playing, you know, a lot of finals the last sort of three or four years. And being a part of, of a professional group like that has sort of raised his game. And he's come back a very confident, you know, um, experienced player, able to address the group. Um, as Timmy said, he's very quick on his feet, live wire around there. And when you're playing, you know, when they're forwards sort of running everywhere and ability to play out the back as well, that sort of serves him really well. And um, technically he's never had a problem with his game. It's just been more about, you know, that stuff through the middle. And I thought mm. he did really well there, directed traffic. He's always had great energy on the field as well, which is, you know, one of those players you love playing with. But when Brumbies are playing Waratahs, it's doesn't shut up. It's non-stop. He so. just looks like an angry ant, doesn't yeah. he, when he's on the field. Yeah. Well, you screaming at the scrums on the weekend, that's for sure. Um, he, he did say, though, that he thinks the biggest change is probably just confidence. Mm. So, yeah, we well, showed that on the weekend. Um, the discussion around the, 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 the side for the makeup this weekend will be very fascinating. We're, we've, we've already with James Slipper, Jordan Ulisi, with the concussions, there's likely to be a couple of changes up front. Um but, but the back line in particular, Nick, interested to know whether or not uh, going into that training session in the camp that you had a couple of weeks up in Sydney and then Brisbane, was there the idea that we're going to keep Samu Moore at 12 and play that that kind of, I don't know if you're going to say Warren ball perhaps? I actually don't know. that um, Those two camps, there's so many different teams and combinations out there, it, it was impossible to pick, so... I actually don't know what they're what they're thinking at the moment. You know, they obviously went two big ball players through the middle on the weekend, but you know, against Argentina, um, you know, you might almost want to go like double ball player and the ability to to play width and spread them around a bit. Um, I think the best thing though is that we've got the ability and the personnel to do both. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, like we talked about just before, if if we just build that continuity and just be stubborn and stick with it and work yeah. hard, or or whether you give blokes the opportunity to prove themselves on the international stage, and then you know at the very end, sort of a couple of games out from the World Cup, you start to set set your Set your team together. We all, we all agree that Samu Karevi played really well on the weekend. Oh, yeah. In a, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and he's, he is a guy that, at the moment, I don't think you can leave him out of a Wallaby side, Un, right? Undoubtedly, you know, 
top three players in Super Rugby yeah. this year. And the amount of times he touched the ball, the amount of attacking play he was able to formulate around himself just in a in a Reds team that was, you know, sort of struggling for a little bit through the season, he was their shining light. And I think when we were playing him, there was some stupid stat that, like, he would touch the ball first phase 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, right. And rightfully so. He's just that good at the moment. You can't just not give it to him. The great, the great comparison is would you consider – and we're all comparing him to Ma Nonu. Would you have you considered ever moving Ma Nonu away from his preferred position? No, I, I think, though, that the reason we're having this discussion is because uh, of you're looking for that second option. So if you bring Kirtley into fullback, you get that second option. You don't, you don't necessarily have to tinker with the centres. Is that a fair assessment? Mm, definitely. You could... Um, Kirtley, as he showed on the weekend, he... Shouldn't have been running that line through the middle of the field and he's just popping up and yeah. running at a hole. So mm, yeah. he's got that ability to double play and him and Bernard work so well together. Uh, you know, they know where they're thinking and where they're going to pop up together and, and turn around. And But it's right what Timmy said, you know, Banksy has been as well a, mm. a phenomenal player and through the Super Rugby season, um, Brumby's success, a lot of it came off the back of his ability and his tech tactical kicking and yeah. his ability to just run it back full speed, um, you know, it'd be tough to well, there's probably, leave him out after two. Yeah, but there's probably some discussion about the wingers as well. So well, I was going to yeah. say, Nick, yeah, like there was a, a distinct lack of gas, yeah. I reckon, so, on the weekend. Did you think So that? perhaps a, a Kirtley at fullback and you you push Tom Banks to the wing and, and you might get a bit of that gas that was lacking. I mean, very early on it was it was – Pretty obvious, but even the probably the timidness under the high ball. Like clearly, the, the elephant in the room, no, no Israel Folau, and, and they probably weren't didn't dominate that airspace. There was a couple of drop balls, although. Yeah. But at the same time, Dane. I mean, that was probably a better part of Dane's game. Oh, ab- abs- absolutely, absolutely. And and Reese did well on a couple of occasions, but it, you know, I guess we're talking about replacing the best player in the air in the world. <laughs> Uh, and that was always going to be difficult to do. Where, where, where do you see the, the big areas uh, this weekend against the Argentinians? They're hard on the ball. They've lost Augustin Creevy, though, which is, a, which is a big blow around the breakdown. Oh, mate, their, their familiarity together, you know, how we're talking about sort of trying to lock down a, a starting 15 mm. for four games for the World Cup. They've had about 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've had 20 games, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, you know, they're going to be a very well-drilled outfit. Um, you saw the game on the weekend pushing the All Blacks. It was 2016 mm. and, you know, that scoreline hasn't been that close in, in ever, has it? Like, uh, no. I think they'll be playing – they'll just be, you know, carbon cut it, cut copy of the Jaguars. But, you know, Mario's got so many little things to tinker with uh, with that squad. He can, he can take straight off and build on top of that without having to build in new set piece or new phases or any structure like that. He can, he can just take his knowledge that he's been working for eight months on and just put it straight on them. They don't have to work at the little things. So they're going to be very good. They're you know, like big ball runners, you know, they're, they're lean, they're cut, cut out of stone, mm. their outside backs are rapid and their ability to keep the ball alive as well. So, you know, it's going to be a big test for the for the Aussies and it's going to be interesting to see how they go up there um, in, in Brizzy against a great team in a bit of form. How good was Pablo Matera on the weekend? Again. The, the Pumas, like he, he's an unbelievable player at the moment and, you know, that makeup of the Wallaby back row as well, I mean, Hoops is always going to be there, he's the captain, but... You know, Izzy and then um, Luca and Salakai Lotto as mm. well. 
nullifying the effect of Pablo Matera and that Puma's back row. It's going to be an interesting yeah. query this weekend. Oh, indeed. Oh. And um, while we're talking about Argentina, and obviously that leads us to the All Blacks, and, and they head home to take on South Africa, and we mentioned earlier that South Africa have sent the majority of their first-choice side uh, to get boots on the ground and, and be well-rested for this game. This could be a hell of a game. It really could be, given how South Africa looked to be building towards the World Cup. What are your expectations about that? Well, they've targeted the Kiwis mm, as well, haven't they? Um, they've, 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 those players sent over will be in New Zealand longer than the actual Kiwis yeah. will be. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go and the selections as well. You can't say that, you know, fast locked down that nine spot after the performance on the weekend. Yep. Um, you know, different, different uh, could be a different makeup, but... You know they've obviously backed themselves to get over there and get the job done. So it's it was a, and they play some great games South Africa and New Zealand. They, they really they, did. well last well, year. Back they, of last year, they yeah. split it, didn't they? And um, awesome. Rassi Erasmus, it's a, a masterstroke, and I know you've got the backstory to this, Swaney, in terms of you know his inspiration for doing it. But he was uh, it was a win-win situation for him on the weekend. They lose, he goes, ah, oh, that's sweet. It's just the B team. Mm. They win. All of a sudden, competition for places, you know, the mental uh, aspect of it as well, edging Australia with a, you know, in inverted commas, B team, uh, shows the depth of South African rugby. It, it was, in hindsight, a masterstroke. Well, what do you think of the psychic theme from a Wallabies perspective, Nick? Because they would have known that, you know, the Springboks are resting a handful of their stars. Yeah, I'd, you know, I think there was a lot of beat up through the week from um, people outside the team about, you know, the Wallabies being stung and, you know, being insulted. The Springboks, they have six super rugby teams effectively. Mm. Um, you know, they've got the depth. They've got the numbers in the country. They, they're going to have good players across the board. So whoever they sort of spit out there, that it's going to be a very good team. Um, brought all their players back from overseas as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they've got the numbers there. They're going to have a harder time sort of fitting, settling, settling on a perfect 15 than probably we are. They're, they've got the depth there and you could see on the weekend the performance. I, I know that the Aussie boys would have just been going in, treating it like a, a test match, a test match that they haven't really won and at the high veld in a long time and it was going to be a tough game. And, you know, unfortunately sort of there's, there's a reason why the Aussies haven't won there in so long. It's because, you know, it's tough playing at altitude in, in the lion's den with... 60,000 South Africans breathing down your net, mm. neck. It's a tough job. So, um, you know, in, in saying that, you know, we were effectively beaten by a second team, I, I don't really know about that. I think, you know, that was close to their top team on the weekend, give or take a few players. But we're also missing a few players, mm. you know, yeah. missing a couple of props, um, you know, Poey, you know, yep. Israel, stuff yep. like that. Like, yep. it's going to be it, both teams were sort of missing a few players and they – it was a it was a great game. I, I I sort of almost still feel that the end scoreline didn't reflect the yeah. contest through the middle of the game. That, that middle forty was just clash of the titans there for a while, and then you know it's, it's not it's not like we didn't have opportunities to score. You know we probably lost two tries there, and then that completely changed the makeup early in the game, and they're chasing instead of us. And mm. you know I'm not trying to be fake optimistic, but I still I still feel like there was positive things that happened out there that. You know, we can easily gloss over, but we're in it. It, oh. it was one or two passes, wasn't it, that didn't yeah. go to hand. Like, Hale Petty scores that try that he, you know, he'll probably admit he bombed that. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Lucan overran that ball from Samu. That's two tries mm. that 
definitely changed the, the complexion of that game. Early as well. Early, early in, in the, the game. game. And that, exactly. Like I said, when you're chasing a chess match as opposed to it's sort different. of holding out, it's different. But Especially away from home in the middle of the cauldron, it's tough. Is it false hope, though? Because 12, of the 12 losses of the last 16 matches and behind by the most eight points at half time in any of those losses. So what's going to be the difference between turning those narrow defeats or actually large defeats in the end by the, the blown-out scoreboards? Yeah, well, it's hard to lie with the stats there, but, you know, we also had that, that card sort of back into the second half and that sort of blew it out a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's just about managing those big moments. And I can say that every test match that someone plays, they get that experience. They learn mm-hmm. from it. And I know that the debriefing process that they have at the Wallabies is really, really good like that. You know, they, they almost go back and relive the moment, say, what could we have done here? What could we have done better? Like in the playmakers groups, you know, Hoops as captain, all these different groups can sort of work out and learn from those experiences. And then that's going to help towards, you know, World Cup when hopefully we're playing some finals footy. I don't think you're being overly optimistic. It's really interesting, though, um, in our post game on, on early Sunday morning, um, similar sentiment from, you know, our greatest captain, uh, mm. another captain in Phil Kearns. I'm talking about George Gregg, another captain in Phil Kearns. And, and obviously Drew Mitchell as well. There's a lot of experience on, on that panel and guys who call it as they see it, they were also optimistic. But the backlash, particularly on social media, was, was really interesting that it's almost like what went on last year mm. has uh, fans jaded. And I would just say to people, you know, what, what do you do? Your national, your national team, and I'm, I'm said this before, get on board. Yeah. Like, do you, do yeah. you not – do you just get all, all negative after one test match? You've got the World Cup around 100%. the corner. Get on board, support your national team, love your national team and, and stop with all this, this crap negativity that, that goes on. It's become like a second sport within a sport mm. to just pot the national team. I like, just don't understand. When has Australia not performed in a World Cup year? Yeah, oh, exactly. You know, they're always lifting for it. So but, you know, it should even be if, the buzz of excitement. But even if they don't, even if they don't, you've still got your national team there. Mm. Like, just support them. Don't, mm. don't bag them. Just yeah. get, get behind them. No matter whether they win, lose or draw... Just put your arms around them. We and, did a documentary series about this. They yeah, call the Wallaby. Like, that's right. You know, you've got to get behind them. I just, um, don't, I just don't understand that. You know, if you've got a, yeah. a club team, you know, whether it be AFL, NRL, A-League, NBL, that you love. I love the Brisbane Bullets. And, and love the Brisbane Bullets. Yeah. But, but let's say the Brisbane Bullets lose 10 in a row. You're still going to love them. Yeah. You don't go, oh, I'm just going to go and find another team to support now. No, that's like, right. I don't understand the, the mentality. Anyway, that was a good round. I love that. I really don't. I really don't get it. Anyway. Anyway. All right. So while we're talking about uh, winners, which let's hope the Wallabies will be when it comes to the World Cup, uh, right now the Wallaroos are winners, Swaney, and uh, you got to call two test matches, the most recent uh, on Friday night at North Sydney Oval, another win over Japan and outstanding. Oh, well, I think... The Wallaroos play so few test matches and to see their improvement from test match to test match. Friday night at North Sydney Oval, 46-3, the final score. They really touched up Japan and the improvement that you saw from the previous week was exponential. Mm. And, and 
you know, they don't play many test matches. To have two test matches before they take on New Zealand is is brilliant to watch, um, you know, to see their improvement. They were sharp out of the blocks, weren't they? And that's mm. like the, the previous week they'd only scored two tries, the second of which came in the last few minutes of that first half. But clearly they were clinical, led by their, their back row, Grace Hamilton and, and Millie Boyle, who was on the podcast <laughs> last week, who were just ridiculous. They They carried the ball between them. Nearly fifty times in that game, <laughs> yeah, right. Which how much? Two hundred and four meters. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen in a game. Like just two back rowers carrying the ball fifty times between them. So I mean, it's a different. It is they they play a different style of game, um, but it was good to watch. And la- this time last year, the Wallaroos they had one week to prepare to take on the Black Ferns. Mm. Now they've had two Test matches, two hard Test matches under their belt, and they'll get to take on New Zealand. Uh, with that under their belt, I think that's a good thing. And it was so good to walk around North Sydney Oval and, and see the stars were out to play. Chloe Dalton was there, yeah. former sevens player, now playing uh, in the AFLW. Yep. Um, uh, who else? Georgie Fredericks was there. Um, the King, Wally Lewis. Wally Lewis was there. Yep. I thought you were going to mean Phil Kearns because he was there as well. Right. But uh, Wally no. Lewis was there. Loves his union. Loves it. Mm-hmm. Loves well, it. It was brilliant to watch. Schoolboy for, for Australia, of course. Exactly. He had his Wallaroo scarf on. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of people. Shani probably, Williams, Elia Green. You know, I think I think the final, the crowd was sort of around 4,500 or something. 3,994, I think. Yeah, right. Okay, there you go. Under 4,000. But it felt like a, yeah. a decent atmosphere out there. And, um, and you know, they're going to be playing in the um, double header at, uh, in Perth at Optus Stadium. Uh, against the Black Ferns, so hopefully the Perth um, rugby fans get behind them as well. Indeed. And Nick, you saw them last, or well, a couple of them anyway, last last Wednesday, and it was Grace that brought up on the um, the Friday the captains run, where she said that uh, I think it was you that commented <laughs> on how emotional some of the girls were when they were singing the national anthem. Yeah, no, we um, and Twain were at the Bill Corp lunch on Wednesday, and three of the girls were there, and I was going to say that it's no wonder so many people going to watch them play. This such good people to get around. Yeah, like, yeah. They're such good role models and, you know, they lo- you can see they genuinely just love what they get to do and they they appreciate every opportunity they've been given and they're just hungry to reward that. And, yeah, I was talking to Gracie. I've known Grace for a long time and we are having a good chat uh, at the lunch and she was talking about how she got all the girls to cry before the game and I was into her. I was like, you're supposed to fire them up, not make them cry. <laughs> like, get into them. And she's like, no, no, it was just such a lovely time. <laughs> she was great. And, a courageous leader as well. Um, you see the way she plays. She's she's awesome. Yeah. No wonder the team sort of really gels with her and, and loves having her as a captain. Very much follow me. The other great aspect about last Friday night was the amount of young girls in their jerseys, in mm. their rugby jerseys. So they clearly for a long time sevens have been the, the form of the game that's resonated with, with young girls. Uh, and now it's definitely 15s cutting through as well. And that helps with the Wallaroos jersey able to be purchased now. Correct. It hasn't, hasn't usually been done yeah. and they're out now. And you could see, like you said, so many of the young girls there with yep. the jerseys on, very proud and hungry for a signature as well. So Very cool. I'm fully behind the girls for the Kiwi game. I, I think they'll you know, they'll give it a shake-up. They've had a fair preparation this, term, this time. It's put them on an even keel. Yep, so that one in Perth and then the week after at uh, Eden Park in Auckland. Uh, sooner, though, is the test against uh, Argentina this weekend for the Wallabies and, and let's hope that they can get their rugby championship campaign underway. You're not going to give us another five-minute rant about no, it. we should get behind no. them? No. Because we are. We're behind, we are behind them. them. We're 100%. Behind them. 100%. Get behind them. 100%. Nick, 
Thanks very much for uh, popping in today. No worries. Swaney, you've pleased your parents by coming on <laughs> once again. Thanks for having me. And uh, Christy Doran, thank you. Always a pleasure. And thank you for your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast. <laughs>